Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind, and I am here with Wally Carmichael. Wally, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, brother, it's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here, Josh. Awesome, Wally. So first question to all of our guests is to please tell us a little bit more about yourself. I've been you know, checking out your content for the last little bit since we've been in touch. Really excited about what we're going to talk about. But for those who haven't heard about Wally Carmichael, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're working on? Yeah, of course. Uh, first off, I want to thank you for uh, inviting me on. It's an honor. I've been listening to your show. I've listened to about four or five episodes, and I'm really digging the content, man. It's good stuff. I like the um, the solo stuff, and I like the interviews. Really good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Amazing. Appreciate that a lot. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. So, yeah, I'm a oh, goodness a retired Army medic, uh, but my whole story really evolves around, and what I'm doing now evolves around me being a man who was ungratefully chasing a six and seven figure income for that coveted freedom, you know, time freedom and best life in the world, all that good jazz. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> I just found myself at one point uh, living in Hawaii. I had been there for about six years at that point, retired from the army, working a great job, had a six figure income, literally living on the beach and sitting in the gazebo in front of my house one Saturday morning, my son was in the water playing in the you know little waves, and my wife and the other boy that's home was still asleep in the house. And I'm listening to a podcast or an audio book or something to figure out how to live this amazing life that I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. And my son was in the uh, water, and he says, Dad, Dad, come and play like he always did. And I just pointed at my headphones, which he knew that meant I'm listening to something. And, you know, he was, I think, six at the time. And he said, you know, when, when his facial expression changed from excitement to disappointment, my wife's voice hit me in the back of the head. It was like a slap in the back of the head. Her saying what she said many times over our last, you know, at that point, 24, 23 years of marriage, what the hell are you chasing? And it was at that point I realized that I am, in fact, living, I don't know if I said I'm living a life of abundance, but I am, in fact, living this amazing life. I have everything I wanted, pretty much, the income, living on a beach in Hawaii, yet here I am still chasing after I don't know what. So that's where my whole men of abundance journey started from. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, because the way you started out that description was sounding like you're painting a pretty good picture, right? I mean, <laughs> living on the beach, six figures, wife and kids, you know, everyone's happy, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I definitely want to dig into that uh, a lot. Um, but let's go back first, because I want to start even earlier than there. You said you're, you've retired from the army. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know how your professional career started. Was the Army the first step? Was it the second step, third step? Um, where, how did your professional career start? And then we can kind of work our way back up to this big moment in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So in high school, I was somewhat of a track star. For the older folks out there who have ever heard of a movie called The Jericho Mile, I was that uh, kind of short white boy, five foot eight, long blonde hair, and I was just super fast. They called me lickety split, just like they did with the dude on Jericho Mile, man. Yeah. So I ran, I ran varsity track when I was in, uh, a freshman in high school. That in part had to do with the fact that I had to run for my life many times when I was a kid because I grew up in a rough environment, predominantly Hispanic and gangbangers and stuff. And um, I didn't want to get caught by myself too often. So. Right. You know, after high school, I actually had a full ride scholarship, you know, to a community college, nothing big. 
And I just basically said, I don't want to do that right now. I wasn't good in high school, didn't care much for it. I didn't really feel comfortable going to college. I didn't right. feel I had the, you know, the aptitude for it. So, so and, the academic stuff you were kind yeah. of struggling with? Oh, struggled. I, I just, it wasn't even that I struggled. It just didn't interest me right. whatsoever. In fact, they put me in high school. They put me in a um, special ed class because my grades were so low and I just wasn't excelling uh, right. or even passing for that matter. And within a week or two, the teacher was like, what are you doing here? Because I, I excelled. I, I, did what I had to do in that class to get the heck out of that class. Cause I didn't want that stigma. Right. Right. So, uh, and you know, I was in gymnastics and all this other stuff. I was pretty popular in, in school and I hung out with all the different crowds, but then, you know, after not going to college and ultimately ending up going to the same college that offered me a full ride scholarship, but paying for it, then ran out of money and started taking on, I took on two jobs uh, to try to raise some money, to get back in school. My uh, my uncle came home from leave. He was in army at the time and was a first sergeant, and it was my dad's brother. And he said, "Look, join the military. You won't get you know you'll you'll get some education along the way. You'll get a chance to travel the world and all this other stuff." And I said, "Not no, but hell no, <laughs> not my bag, not something I want to do." But you know, a couple months of taking two full time restaurant jobs uh, takes a toll on you. And mm -hmm. other things that I was doing, I shouldn't have been doing was taking a toll on me. And I wanted to get out of that environment. So I walked into the recruiter's office and said, I want to be an army medic. And I joined, uh, went to basic training. And I think it was I don't know, November, yeah, November 2nd, uh, 1989. And I loved it from day one. Wow. Uh, it was, it was a good time about, you know, a little while in, I wanted to get out, but fortunately I didn't. And I, I stuck it out because I'm doing pretty well now. Right. And so the two questions that come to mind about the army are number one, why did you pick being a medic? And number two is, can you explain to those of us who've never been through basic training, just a little bit what it's like? It's something that's always interested me. I don't think I'll ever go through it. Not that I have anything against it, just where mm -hmm. I'm at in my life, it doesn't make much sense. Um, but always very curious to know what it was like. Yeah, absolutely. So the... The, the whole process of going and basic training is really just kind of a, it's, it's the way I can describe it is those who have horses, you kind of break the horse. Well, they used to, I don't know if they do it anymore, break the horse and then build them back up. What, in, what I enjoyed so much about the army and basic training was I, what I realized was I needed structure in my life. I had no structure in my life. My dad growing up wanted to be my best friend. And he wanted to hang out with all his kids and he wanted to do things with us that no kids or adults should be doing. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do that with us. Great, you know, great man, nice man in that regard, just not really a father figure. My first father figure was my high school football coach. Uh, looking back now, I didn't mm -hmm. realize at the time. So I just realized that I needed that structure. Uh, and I, I just enjoyed it from, from day one. It, it really, uh, instilled that structure in me, my drill sergeant, who I remember this day, who I ran into two of the three of them uh, hmm. later on in my career, uh, and just thank them, you know, for putting up with my wild little butt. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and, and what so, was the other question? Yeah. So, so you said you went, you walked in and said, I, I want to be oh, yeah, a yeah. medic. What was it about that that drew you to it? Yeah. So in college, I was going to college to study to be, uh, get into physical therapy. And that was I, the only subject that I excelled in in school was anatomy and physiology. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I, I just absolutely loved it. And then later when I went to the uh, Special Operations Medical Sergeants course uh, to get in the 18 Delta Special Special Forces, the uh, I, I excelled. I mean, I just, anything to do with the human body and pharmaceutical calculations, anything of that nature, I just excelled at it. It just like came natural to me. So, right. uh, and I embraced it even more as I went deeper and deeper into the medical training. I absolutely loved it. Right. And and so how long did you stay in the army and, and what was the next step from there? Yeah. So stayed in the army 25 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 25 years. And I, I, at 12 years, I was actually done. I was going to get out at 12 years. Well, let me put it this way. At seven years, my wife and I had physically been together less than three years because of all of my deployments schools and field exercises i'd be in a field exercise for two months on end out living in the jungle in panama or um in the woods in germany uh, or in the woods in north carolina for that matter so you know it takes a toll on the family and yeah so you know but i i got my second wind when i left germany i went to another uh to a hospital my first fixed facility where i would not get deployed and I was able to be more of a leader in a hospital environment and really be able to be home every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I really started. Uh, it gave me a chance to actually really start building up more of my entrepreneur um, endeavors and things that I wanted to do. I started a real estate business while I was at that duty station uh, and many, you know, a couple other things built on from that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that's, you know, 25 years. And then after, as soon as I got out, it was a humbling experience. Right. I, I wanted to get a job and I wanted to continue working for the Department of Defense because that was family. That's who I knew. That's what I knew. I wasn't comfortable going out to work in the civilian sector. But, and as I applied for many jobs, what really was going on in my mind was I did not want to work for anybody ever again. I really wanted to start my own business. So I did. I started a couple of different businesses. I started a residential cleaning business, working with real estate agents in Hawaii. And I mean, my wife and I could go on a weekend and make a thousand bucks on a weekend, just working for real estate agents, cleaning empty houses, uh, turn the radio on, get to work. And then I was going to turn that into um, hiring uh, veteran or um, military spouses uh, dependents to come and do the job and then I'd pay them the lion's share of what I would get from each one of the jobs. As it turned out, I ended up getting a job as an equal employment officer uh, for the Navy and mm-hmm. working three days a week, which was amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially living in Hawaii because I was able to literally ride my bike part of the way to work and then kayak across Pearl Harbor <laughs> Wow. To to uh, yeah to the Navy base and then work and then kayak back home and ride my bike back to the beach where I lived at. So and three days a week, dude. So <laughs> I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and had a four day weekend or what was that? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four day weekends every week. And you're fitting in a mini workout on the way to and from fitting work. Fitting in a workout, day. still had time to do my my personal business and all that kind of stuff. And then I did that for about eight months. Then my the guy that took my job when I retired uh, at Triple Army Medical Center, he called me and he's like, hey, I got a, a civilian position over here that's got your name on it, man. You're perfect for the job. So I literally went back to work and sat at the same desk I was at when I retired mm-hmm. uh, and stayed there for another three years, almost three years. And then 
called it quits and left Hawaii and came to Florida uh, right. to live off retirement and what I had built up at that time with my entrepreneur endeavors and, and uh, other streams of income. Right. V- very interesting. I, I want to break a little bit of that down a little more. Uh, Wally, you, you said at one point that you didn't want to work for anyone ever again. And it sounds like you did uh, at least a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Was that always kind of in the back of your mind or, or did that pop up at some point in the 25 years in the army or, or kind of how did that feeling come about and, and how did you run with it? Well, again, that's something that over the course of probably the prior 15 years or so, like when I first wanted to get out, I really had this idea that I wanted to work for myself. Look, I I got caught up in the whole, you know, multi-level marketing uh, dream that Mm -hmm. you can, you know, work with a laptop from the beach and, you know, have this huge team all over the world and just make millions of dollars. And quite frankly, and I'm not going to bash the industry because I did learn a lot from that experience. But I spent a little over five years uh, with one organization. Um, I'm still a part of another organization just because I have residual income coming in from there. Mm-hmm. But I don't build it. But I went over $60,000 in credit card debt uh, trying to build the first business. Wow. And yeah. And Wh- literally, which one was this? Uh, this was with uh, Amway. And when right. Amway was transitioning to Quickstar. Uh, I was with that organization. I'm talking, traveling around, going to all the meetings, buying all the cassettes of the week, um, spending money on buying, you know, purchasing lists and leads and all this other kind of stuff. Then I, the first one, I did $30,000 with that company. Then I went with another company, USANA Health Sciences. And that team had us buying all these leads. By that time, the internet had come along and it was real popular to market online by click, you know, pay-per-click and all this other kind of stuff. And so it was just, money just leaving hand over fist with very little income in return. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even some of those teams broke apart and did their own thing. But again, that's part of my education. I I chalked that up to uh, an education because I learned a whole lot of what not to do. And some of the stuff did work and some of the stuff did help me and does help me uh, today with what I do. Yeah, that's kind of the funny thing about quote unquote, uh, I mean, whether you want to call it a failure or not, um, even just, I would say, down years, you know what I mean? Whether mm-hmm. it's with a business or, or working for someone else where maybe on paper, it's not a financial success, but that's not the end of the story, right? Your life doesn't end at the end of that year with with a scorecard. Um, so even the things that may not have gone perfectly in, in that time, I'm sure has come back to help you down the road and, and in most recent years. So, so Wally, what, what's the next step then in the story? And what I'm really interested in is what you're doing right now and, and how you got to that point. Yeah, so as I mentioned from my uh, experience when I first uh, started introducing myself is about when I was sitting on the beach and realized this amazing life that I have. Mm-hmm. Once I took on that mindset that, and, and trust me, I had been listening and watching and paying attention to all of the personal development, everybody from Jim Rohn to Tony Robbins and everyone right. in between Les Mills, you name it. So I always had this mindset, but I wasn't applying it. And once I made the realization that I am in fact living a life of abundance, so much more started coming into my life in the form of more relationships, more quality connections, um, you know, more time with my family, more better connections with my wife. I mean, just amazing connection with my wife uh, mm-hmm. when I started paying attention to her. Imagine that, right? 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and my kids, you know, and they see it and they noticed it and more money started right. coming in, more opportunities started coming that were more quality opportunities. And, and I had a mindset that I knew what to pick and choose and what I could do, what I was willing to put my time and money towards. And then one of those opportunities was a guy called me that I knew there in Oahu and he said, Hey, I'm going to this thing this weekend, or it was like on a Wednesday and it's just a small venue. And I'm wanting to see if you wanted to go with me and just check it out. It's on your side of the Island. I was like, all right, cool. No problem. So we go and I always forget the guy's name, but one of the original cast members of a Hawaii five O was there. And it was only about 25 of us. And this guy, Patrick Snow, he's standing, he's the speaker and he's a, he travels around speaking a lot and he's written several books and he helps people write books. And he said, if you were to write a book, what would you title it? So we worked through this process and I came up with living your life of abundance. So I start writing this book. This book started being my biography and I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be actual, not like a story, not like, you know, nonfiction or something like that. I wanted it to be something that was tangible. And that's just because that's the type of stuff I like to read. And And, and just to cut you off, Wally, this is, this is, you just decided after that meeting to write the book, like Mm -hmm. nothing else had changed. You're still working. Um, You just said, you know what, I'm going to start writing this book on the side. Yeah, because that's part of what this whole, this whole um, event was about. The event was about, Building a business, in order to build a business, his, Patrick's idea anyway, and I do agree with it, that if you have any sort of a business and you're, you're so, somewhat of an expert or consider yourself an expert or a master in a particular skill and you want to get clients, most people will hand out a business card. The best business card in the world that shows you know, some clout and shows you know what you're talking about is to write a book. Right. Okay, cool. But besides that, (laughs) absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And most people out there, quite frankly, all the guys that you see, all these big guys that have books, they're all ghost written. Most Mm -hmm. of them don't write their own books. But um, the, uh, the other part of it was, was not just because I wanted something to market and I wanted to put it out there. It was just something I personally wanted to do for my own personal um, knowledge, just to kind of document this whole process of and and revelation and idea of living a life of abundance. Because once I made that realization, one of the other things I started doing was really studying more people who are living amazing lives and somehow paying it forward in the community. And it always upset me when people start bashing big corporate and business in general, capitalism. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, it's it's got a negative connotation in some circles, but that's because of the way that they only portray the ones that are the Enrons of the world, right. and you know the Sears executives of the world and stuff like that, and that's not the case. That those are a very, those are a minority in the business community. Most businesses are the Tom Shoes, the for-purpose businesses that are making a huge contribution to mm-hmm. the community, and in some cases, the world. So I wanted to highlight people that um, are living an amazing life and not taking anything from anybody else, but giving back to the community in so many different ways. So that's where the whole idea for the podcast came from, Men of Abundance, because um, I was listening to John Lee Dumas at the time and many others, and they, you know, they said, well, you can build an, if you build an audience, you know, then you'll be able to have conversations with pretty much anybody you want. And I thought, well, that's intriguing. That's what I'll do. I'll start this podcast and then I'll have a reason to have a conversation with people um, and gather these stories 
so that I can use some of them in the book. Uh, the book still hasn't been written, <laughs> right. but I have written a book since then. I have written one book. Now, to get to the whole, what, the reason why I say all that is because that leads into what I'm doing now. About six months in, people started contacting me and asking me, do I coach people in living a life of abundance? Six months, six months into yeah. starting the podcast? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm like, um, no, hadn't even considered it. <laughs> and I wouldn't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Then another guy asked me, then a spouse contacted me and she said, listen, I've been listening to your show. Um, my husband, we make great money. And, but he's not here. He's here, but he's not here. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to have a conversation with him or if you have a program or any content that he could, you know, I, I was humbled. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, now all of my, all, you know, any solopreneur out there, any entrepreneur is going to tell you, listen to your audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll tell oh, you yeah. what they want, build it. And then, you know, you have um, proof of concept if they will buy it. Right. That's, that's the so, clearest sign you can have to start. 100% some type of product or service. 100%. Absolutely. Well, and the only one clearer than that is that they'll actually pull out their, you know, credit card and pay for it. Right. Um, but I mean, it sounds like they were willing to, the, yeah, the ones that yeah. were reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I thought, quite frankly. And what happened was I started, I hired a couple coaches because uh, that's the first thing anyone should do when they're going to venture into something of the unknown. Don't mm-hmm. do it alone. Find people who are doing what you do or teaching what you what you want to do uh, and pay them or compensate them somehow. Get that information as quickly as you possibly can from people who know what they're doing. So I hired a couple of coaches that some guys I had been following for a while and started learning how to set up a coaching business, uh, started learning more about, you know, reading more books about abundance and, and just everything, just really being a, a student of the craft, just like I was as an army medic. I was always trying to stay on top of the new technology and right. new strategies, new techniques. So as I started going through it, one of the coaches I ran into that's now uh, my mentor, Carl Bryan, he said, look, Wally, I see what you're doing here and it's noble. It's great. But of the people that are willing to actually pull out their credit card and pay you for this service to help them live a life of abundance. What is their demographic? What is, what is their vocation? What do they do? And I said, well, like easily 90% of them or more are business owners and entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. He said, what is their biggest problem? And really the, and the, and the quickest win for me to actually get them to, um, to work with them and to actually have them pay for the services to get something tangible in return. Not because it's hard to measure happiness. It's hard mm-hmm. to measure, you know, excite, you know, all the other feelings in life. He said, so you need to help them with their business and that will help them in their life. That will help them with their family that will help them contribute to the community. And so he said, you already have skills. I know you, I've been talking to you. I've followed you. I've stalked you. I've looked at everything you've been doing and I Googled your name. I've seen stuff you've done in the past. You have skills and what you don't have, you can learn more along the way. And so I started working with him and I started learning more about um, business because I have a bachelor's degree in business administration and upper level management. And I've been doing business for many years in various capacities. Mm -hmm. And I, my passion now outside of the medical realm, and I'm not doing that anymore is business and marketing strategies and life strategies. So that's why I specifically focus on business owners 
Uh, and once in a while, I work with folks, you know, that aren't business owners, but generally that's just to help, just to keep my skills up in that regard. I don't get paid for it most of the time. Right. I need to cut you off, Wally, because I have too many questions piling up in my head from the last <laughs> couple of minutes. Um, two big questions in my head right now. Number one, within those first six months of the podcast, how were you promoting it? You know, how, how were you getting your listeners? Was it all organic? Were you posting on social? Um, and basically, just want to know kind of what you were doing. And the second question is, and feel free to, you know, treat these completely separate, is why do you think or how do you think it was that you and some of you know that that wife's husband got to that point in their life where on paper they were so successful but didn't feel any any meaning or, or didn't feel that type of success they didn't feel the abundance yeah so initially re repeat the first question Let's just go one at a time. I shouldn't have thrown both. They're pretty no, unrelated right. questions. Yeah. So the, the first question is, what were you doing at, in, during the first six months of launching your podcast that was getting you all of these awesome listeners? Right. So what primarily all I was doing, I did no paid advertising whatsoever. It was all organic. I, um, I got a couple, I got some of the right people on the show initially. Uh, I was bold. I reached out to a few people. Uh, they loved the name of the show. They looked at it evidently and they, they got on. And before too long, I was connected with a, a couple agencies found my podcast and they mm -hmm. started recommending, they started contacting me and saying, Hey, would you, I got some recommendations. What type of people are you specifically looking for? And we'll see who we have that we can get on the show. And some podcasts, they don't, they don't take too kindly to that kind of service, but I did. And the reason why is because one of the services, and there's about five of them that I work with that send me people on a regular, um, they promote the heck out of the podcast. They promote right. the heck out of the guest. And I've had multiple guests out of the 265 episodes I've posted so far. Wow. Uh, multiple guests have come from agencies like that and they promote them out to circles I would never have connection with. Uh, they, they, can, they put it on a, on a rotation on Twitter that I see. Um, so, you know, and it's pretty much all social media. At this point, the mm -hmm. show's downloaded, has been downloaded in 88 countries last I checked, and that was a couple months ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, as, as a podcaster myself, I was actually very surprised at the benefits of starting a podcast that I didn't expect. I, I knew I would enjoy it and would get to meet really cool people. What I didn't fully appreciate is that all of your guests are, are also, you know, quote unquote, fans of the show and will be promoting it for you. It, it's mm -hmm. a pretty amazing system in that regard. Um, so that that's really great to hear. We might have to talk off air about some of those uh, the way you were able to get some of those guests because I'm very interested. But Wally, the, the second question, and I guess we'll get a little bit more deeper here, is when you were sitting outside that day and, and your one kid was asleep, your one kid was in the water, and your wife asked you that question, um, what, what do you think it was that got you to that point? And, and what do you think it is that gets probably many of us business owners to that point where we forget what we have accomplished and, and we can't fully appreciate it and, and feel like we have a life of abundance. Yeah. So it's obsession for too long. 
I'm all about obsession. I've read Grant Cardone's book, uh, Obsessed. I think it's called, I think it's called Obsessed. Uh, he's got the 10x rule and then he's got one called uh, Be Obsessed or Be Average. That's what it is. Both. Right. And I'm all about that. But you've got to pay attention to the period of time and how long you're obsessed with a particular uh, project or category because one of my guests that I had on, which I just reached out to on Twitter, is uh, Jay Pepizan, the co-author of The One Thing with Gary Keller. Oh, wow. And one of the things that Jay talked about is, and it well it talks about in the book, and we had that conversation, is the uh, glass balls, or you're juggling balls. So you mm -hmm. consider you're juggling balls. Your vocation is a rubber ball. Your uh, health is not rubber, but it's, it's fragile, but not as fragile as glass. Your relationship ball is glass. So as you're juggling these balls, you can drop your vocation ball a couple times, and it's fine. It'll bounce back. You can always find another job. You can always find other ways to make an income that you have. Your health, it cracks too. You can get your health back because the body's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. But these relationships that you have, your marriage, your friendships, your business partnerships, your, your kids, your siblings, these are glass. And sometimes when you drop these balls, they shatter and you're never getting that back. So what happens is, is people uh, get obsessed about trying to grow their business. And I'm going to specifically talk about business because that's what we're talking about, solopreneurship, and specifically solopreneurship, because you don't have a team to fall back on to say, I'm going to take a month's vacation. Like I'm going to take the whole month of July and go on a road trip with two of my boys. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do that in a job and I couldn't do that if I had, if I had a traditional business, unless I had a team in place. So I 100% love and trust and they love and trust me. So, but my, my point in saying that is you as a solopreneur, you got to pay attention to if you're working on a project and you, you, you know, you're going to be working on say a book or you're building some new content and it's brand new and you're going to take two months to do this. You got to sit down with your family and say, Hey, look, I'm going to be working on this project and you, you and you can assist in this way. And I would greatly appreciate to have your input, this, that, and the other and get them involved somehow. But at the very least, let them know that this is going to take two months and you're not going to see much of me. I'm going to be in the house, but you're not going to see much of me. I'm, I got to get this done. And when it's done, guess what? We're going to Disney world. We're going to right. Spain. We're going to do something because this is just going to change the trajectory of our life. But you have to have that conversation. Many business owners, they just don't. They just put their nose to the grindstone. They say exactly what I said for many years. Everything I'm doing, baby, is for the family. It's for the family. It's for the family. But she was wondering two things. Where are you and where's this money you're talking about that you're going to be making and we're going to be able to go, you know, hang out on the beach and whatever. So right. at the very least, show them some, give them the time that they need. And at some point, you have to produce whatever it is that you, you have to show whatever you're trying to produce. Right. You, know, you, have to, you have to come up with it. So, and that's why I'm not a big fan of never quit because at some point you have to know when to throw in the towel, at least on that strategy mm -hmm. to change strategies towards the same goal, but you have to change strategies at some point. And it took me forever, way too long for me to realize that I was not going to live the lifestyle that I'm living today through an MLM. That just wasn't in right. the cards for me, but it took me goodness, eight, 10 years to figure that out and $60,000 later. Right.
there's so much great stuff in there, Wally, and I'm even taking it and relating it to my situation as a late 20s single male who doesn't have a family in the sense of a, of a wife and kids, but obviously does in the form of, you know, parents, grandparents, siblings, and then friends and, and social groups and, and other responsibilities and stuff like that. And, and so I'm even thinking about how I can apply that as a, as a single person. So that's really valuable. And what I can really relate to is the part where you were talking about obsession, because it's especially, like you said, especially as a solopreneur, like I find it's really easy to get obsessed and go down rabbit holes of, of months of, of just being so focused on your business. And usually in the three to five month, uh, month range, I will hit a wall. Um, maybe not, not necessarily financially, but I'll feel it emotionally. And, and I can kind of tell that um, I'm in, I mean, I'm in too much of a not great routine, let's say, or, or I'm too focused on one thing for too long. I need to take a step back or, or need to, to rearrange. And I have a business coach and he kind of helps keep me on track in regard to that. So I totally agree about your little bit on business coaches, but what would you suggest for us solopreneurs who it's just so easy to fall into the trap of um, having that obsession, having that, you know, very narrow line of sight, other than having conversations with the right people, which is so important. What can we do in terms of managing ourselves and the business itself to kind of keep us on track and, and keep us out of those tough times? Well, I would say even if you're like in your situation where you don't have any immediate family in the form of, you know, wife and kids, keep a calendar. It, run your business just like you would any other corporation. I mm -hmm. mean, if you're at the job, you, you have somebody telling you what to do and managing your calendar basically. Um, but you, you, you have to do that. You have to mind your business. You have to right. have a calendar and put things on the calendar that, are going to move the needle in your business. Put things on the calendar that are personal. Your workout, your 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 time to go for a walk, um, you know, your time to go have coffee with a with a, a high school friend or an acquaintance, uh, somebody you want to hang out with, or or even your mentor. Put this stuff on the calendar. And oh, by the way, have white space on your calendar, right? Uh, because there's many times when I get contacted and you know somebody wants to have a conversation with me and it's something that I want to have a conversation with them. My calendar is jam packed full and I have to cancel something in order to make that happen. Or I can just put somebody into that white space and, or you can just use it for personal time as well. But to, for me personally, that's just the best idea to manage all of that is to get in the habit of keeping a calendar and sticking to it. If somebody says, Hey, I want to meet with you and at seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday, and that's your workout time, then that's not a time for you to meet. Or mm -hmm. if like with me, I have, you know, my time, I spend a lot of time at the theme parks down here at Disney Universal and Bush Gardens and all this stuff. And, and if, if I have an appointment on my, I put this stuff on my calendar. Mm -hmm. I have family experiences, it's just a family experience. And, you know, if it's road trip, like I have nothing going on during the whole month of July, mm -hmm. uh, other than clients that I'm working with, which I only doesn't take me a whole lot of time. But you, you just have to have the stuff on the calendar and treat it just like it's any other part of your business, especially your business. Everything's got to be a, a, a block time as right. well. So, 
Yeah, I think it's especially important because as solopreneurs, we don't have the boundary between work and non-work, right? Like when you're fully employed, you go in at nine, you leave at five or whatever, maybe the times are off a little bit Mm -hmm. and you know when you're at work and you know when you're not, when you're a solopreneur or even an entrepreneur, you could be at work 24 seven, well, not 24 seven, you wouldn't last too long, but uh, Mm -hmm. you could be at work a hell of a lot longer or a hell of a lot shorter. So so I totally agree with that uh, in terms of using the calendar, not just for business, but for pleasure. Uh, Wally, what else would you recommend to people maybe looking to break into coaching like you did or a similar, you know, maybe service type business? Uh, What would you recommend to them in terms of getting started? Maybe what worked well for you? uh, Maybe what didn't work well for you or just general pieces of advice that you would give to others who are looking to get started? Well, one, I would make sure that it's something that you're a a subject that you're very passionate about. I'm not one of, I, I see it all the time. I see people on Facebook on a regular, I just saw it today. Uh, somebody that I follow, they're constantly talking about, you know, all of these, because you know, I'm in the industry, I'm surrounded by a bunch of other coaches and consultants and mentors, whatever you call it. And they are different uh, pretty much, but same idea, teaching somebody something that they don't know, trying to get mm-hmm. them somewhere where they're not and they want to be. Uh, and you don't listen to all the naysayers out there. If you feel you have a passion for something that you know that you can do, then figure out how to do that. But above all else, I have to say you absolutely have to get a coach, a mentor, somebody that can walk you through the ropes. And part of that is the whole mindset because how are you going to be a coach yourself and not be willing to pay for a coach? Mm -hmm. It's like going to a doctor and the doctor says, hey, you know, I'm a doctor. I personally don't go to doctors, but here's what I would suggest you do. You know, right. it just doesn't make sense. Um, but if you know that you have a skill that is valuable, um, one, I would say if it's something that's very, very out there, very rare, and you just don't see it that much, check around to see if other people are doing it and doing it successfully because that's proof of concept right. uh, that it's out there. Uh, and then there's just so many, Josh, there's just so many other facets to it, as you know. I mean, then you got to figure out what your venue is going to be. How are you going to deliver your content? Are you going to do one-on-one? Are you going to do group, group training? Are you going to create videos, content, eBooks, you name it? Um, and it, it just depends on the content that's being delivered on which way to go with all of that. Obviously, podcasting is a great, great venue because you get your voice out there. You get to have uh, expert calls with other people in the industry. You, you basically have a blog because you have to write content for the show notes, which if you're not writing content for the show notes, then you're missing out on all the Google searches because Google's not picking up your voice content right now. I'm sure that's coming pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to a certain extent, YouTube does a little bit for the first couple seconds of the video, but yeah, it, there's just so many things to it. it uh, above all else, find somebody who's doing what you want to do and figure out what they're doing. That way you minimize the mistakes. Look, you're going to make mistakes, but they don't, they don't have to be your mistakes initially. Uh, they can be somebody else's mistakes. They'll teach you those and then go out and make your own mistakes. For sure. For sure. A lot of great stuff in there, Wally. One last question for you. For, for the guys and girls out there that, that uh, don't have that mentality in line yet, they're not feeling the abundant lifestyle, 
other than listening to your podcast and checking out your content, obviously, uh, which we'll link to at the end uh, and in the description, what two or three pieces of advice, uh, this can be general, this can be specific, this can be business related, this can be personal. Uh, what two or three pieces of advice would you give to people out there that are, that are struggling to get to where they want to be or, or live that abundant lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, just look around you right now. Take a deep breath. Pay attention to the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now. You're listening to this content. And chances are you are in a wonderful place in life. I mean, we live in the safest time ever in history. Regardless of what all the news and all the stuff says, I'm talking statistically. Mm-hmm. We have less child deaths at birth, you know, less childbirth uh, deaths at birth. Um, less deaths in general. We're safer when we don't have dinosaurs or lions chasing after us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so you have to get in the mindset that um, you are living an amazing life. And if that's very, if that's really that difficult for you, then just be grateful for what you have in your immediate area. You have everything provided to you. You have we have more education and I'm not talking about traditional education. We have more education at our fingertips than, and more information for that matter mm-hmm. than the president had 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and you can get an education literally for free. And I'm not talking about a piece of paper, mm-hmm. bachelor's degree, master's. I'm talking about a, an education. You can get it for free right now today uh, in many, many venues. Mm-hmm. So be grateful for that. Be grateful for the fact that you have the ability to learn any skill you want to learn. And then the, the avenue to go teach that to somebody else and get paid for that. It's just, it's there for you. It's, it's there right now. And once you start making that realization and start being grateful for everything you have today, just like it did with me, as soon as I started being grateful for what I had in my life, so much more started coming into my life in the form of better connections, relationships, opportunities, and money. It's just, it's one of those things that if you're a believer like I am, then you know where it comes from. Otherwise, you can say it comes from the universe and quite frankly, there's science behind it. So, you know, that's what I leave people with initially is just to be grateful. And one more step, if it's still difficult for you, then go out and give to somebody else time treasures and talents when you give i mean it the the feeling of giving even if it's just walking down a street and saying you know smiling at somebody and saying good morning you feel amazing when you do that and don't tell me you don't you you have to yeah. you feel amazing when you do that, especially when they smile back if they don't smile back hey <laughs> i've had that happen several times and i'm just like i'll say good morning and they'll just walk past it and then i'll say oh i guess not but mm-hmm. and that's just my vindictive ways about me but um but yeah just extremely important to do that absolutely that's a great note to end on and the the mentality and, and the gratefulness and, the, and the, all of that mindset stuff has been so important for me as well especially in the last six months it's kind of hit me a little bit harder Uh, Really grateful, Wally, for you to come on the show and uh, to share your story and this wisdom. I I really appreciate it. Where can people find you? Uh, Where can they hear your stuff or or get in touch? Yeah, so of course, menofabundance.com is where you can find the podcast and all things about that. 
And then I've got a special page just for your listeners, specifically for the business owners and solopreneurs, which I know most of them are, uh, because my goal is to just provide, make sure that these everybody has access to strategies that most people don't have. Uh, so many business owners and entrepreneurs, they are great technicians. They're great at what they do as plumbers, chiropractors, dentists, you name it. Um, obviously, they're not solopreneurs, most of them, but mm -hmm. uh, nonetheless, um, they suck at business. They never were taught the actual business skills. It's not their yeah. fault. They just weren't yeah. taught that. They don't teach that in those schools. And many, unless you grew up in that environment, you grew up in a plumbing business. Even then, I've known such businesses that are flat broke. They make $500,000 a year revenue, but mm -hmm. no profit. Right? You're, you're preaching the choir. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer by trade and I'm lucky because I have a BCom. Most lawyers don't and, and can be brilliant in certain aspects of the profession and utterly clueless uh, on the business side. So. Exactly, Josh. And I'll tell you, being out here in Florida, seeing all these billboards with all the lawyers, if I could get a hold of one or two of them and show them how to do their marketing right and get their market dominating position down, some of them kind of do, but they're, they're providing the wrong information on there. Anyway, I say all that because I created a page for your listeners to go listen to or go, go to and get access to a test drive of my e-learning platform. And this e-learning platform is put together by a bunch of business strategists all over the world in different industries. So they can go to menofabundance.com slash solo, S-O-L-O, just to make it short because solopreneur is way too long. Oh, yeah. The less typing, the better. Yeah, absolutely. So menofabundance.com forward slash solo. I know you can have the link in the show notes and all that stuff. Go there, check it out, and I'll give you, um, it's just a test drive of the e-learning system and a personal video for you folks. Awesome. Wally, really appreciate that and your time again, and uh, we'll definitely have to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure. I really dig your show. Like I said, I love the content. Um, I try to consume as much as I can. Um, I don't commute anymore, so I can't <laughs> listen as much anymore. I'm just out at the pool this morning with my little guy listening to some stuff. So it's been a pleasure, man. Awesome. Thanks again, Wally. All the best. All right. Take care. Hey, everyone. Josh here. Checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.